Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 88 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is an interview by Matt Stankwitz, Senior Associate at the Volkoff Law Group of Liquidity Digital CEO Saeed Hussein. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Before we get started, first, please subscribe to our podcast and rate the podcast to help let other compliance professionals know about the uh, podcast information. Second, I wanted to mention that my law firm, the Volkoff Law Group, provides services to cryptocurrency and digital coin companies, including SEC and CFTC representation, implementation of appropriate ethics and compliance programs designed to mitigate enforcement, money laundering, corruption, and sanctions risks. We have extensive experience in this area and are frequently retained for our reputation in providing practical and targeted solutions that advance compliance needs, promote an ethical culture, and support business operations. If interested in our services in this area, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, I'm going to turn it over quickly to Matt Stankwitz, who is our uh, expert and practices a lot in the cryptocurrency area. There are a lot of interesting developments here uh, with regard to compliance issues, but also with the use of the blockchain blockchain technology. And uh, Matt had an interesting interview of Liquidity Digital. Uh, Hello, everyone. This is Matt Spankwitz from the Volkoff Law Group, Senior Associate. Uh, We're back again with another podcast on the Corruption, Crime, and Compliance podcast. This episode will be featuring Saeed Hussein, CEO of Liquidity Digital. We're going to be exploring his work in the cryptocurrency and blockchain world. Uh, just as a brief introduction for his company, Liquidity Digital is going to be allowing users to create and manage digital securities. They're going to digitize stocks, real estate, debt, derivatives, all that fun stuff. So they've got a very, very broad vision. Um, so like I mentioned, I'm here with Saeed Hussein, CEO. Uh, Saeed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so I did a little, before we jump into a discussion about the company, uh, can, can you just give us a little background on yourself? Um, just based on my research, I noticed you are an entrepreneur at heart. So you started your first company way back in high school. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, that is, that is way back now that I think about it. <laughs> so, uh, so since that point, you've, uh, you know, you've had a, um, pretty extensive career working in the banking industry and uh, the technology sectors. Can you just kind of give us a little introduction about, you know, your background and how you, how you arrived into the blockchain space? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for, I, I got started, like, like you mentioned back when, uh, when I was actually, when I was a junior in high school, that's when the whole dot-com boom was starting to kick off. And uh, I got fascinated by the world of technology. I always had an interest on the, on the business side of things, I've, I've always considered myself to be uh, an entrepreneur in some capacity or the other. And uh, the way that I got into technology was because I saw that, that even back back in my uh, in my junior year in high school, I saw that technology brings a tremendous amount of value to business. So this is where this is where the opportunity is going to be. That's how I got my start. Uh, and as you mentioned, I launched my first company when I was a senior in high school. After that, I jumped into the real world. So I went to uh, um, I was with. Uh, uh, you know, would jump straight into the industry right after that. So it was with GE Corporate. Uh, from there, I started getting exposure to all the different uh, uh, GE business lines. Specifically, GE Capital was something that drew the most interest for me, and that's how I got 
an affinity towards the capital market. So then I, uh, then I went to go work for, uh, I was with Credit Suisse for a couple of years. And then my last corporate gig, I was with, uh, I was heading up, uh, the data analytics division over at, uh, at Newberger Berman, which used to be the asset management division of Lehman Brothers. So I joined, I joined Newberger post the Lehman collapse. And uh, when Newberger decided to not be a part of the new Barclays entity and they wanted to go split off on their own. So uh, that was my, <coughs> excuse me, that was my last corporate gig. And uh, in the midst of that, I, uh, right after that, I, the entrepreneurial bug started nipping at me again. So I left that world and launched a, a company focusing on um, natural language processing and data visualization and uh, artificial intelligence was uh was doing that and uh then ended up getting picked up by a much larger firm that wanted to expand into the northeast so it was running the uh, the northeast for those guys uh building that out and then I got poached by um a firm focusing on the digital transformation space so again all of these the one commonality that we're seeing here is on the emerging sort of bleeding edge of technology and figuring out ways in which uh, you can apply these technologies to drive business value. And in the midst of that, that or uh, I would say about, about a year and a half, two years ago, was uh, when there was all this hype around uh, this thing called Bitcoin. And uh, I came into this really as a cynic of Bitcoin. I'm like, well, what the hell is this? This is a, this, you know, all this talk of cryptocurrency and, and, and technology and disruption in the capital markets. Well, I'm a capital markets guy and I'm a, I'm a emerging technology guy. If there's anyone in this space that can come into this thing and expose this for the fraud that it is, it's going to be me. So went in, went into this and I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of opinions that people are putting out there from, from all sides. But let me formulate my own opinion by doing some research, and the best way to do it is to go directly to the source and, and find out for myself. So I went. That's when I uh, went uh, directly to uh, the Satoshi's white paper, and as I started going through it, really my mind was just blown, line by line, as I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper into it, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, this thing. Most people in this space. Um, are coming from the perspective that I came into this, which is they're only looking at it at a, at, at, you know, only at the surface, and they have no idea about the implications of this technology and what it's actually going to do. You know, if we thought that the the impact of the internet was massive, we have no idea what the impact of this thing is going to be. So immediately, I started to formulate this uh, this, this this notion that the impact that the internet had on the way that we interact with each other is going to be a similar impact that blockchain is going to have on the way that we transact with each other. And immediately uh, from, you know, given my, given my background around the, uh, around the capital markets, uh, the, the first area that I saw this, this completely disrupting was going to be on the capital market side, where if you could take a protocol, which uh, has the notions of trust and incentivization inherently built into it, it's going to disintermediate across the board. And on top of that, if you can take this notion around uh, the, the, around taking real-world assets and being able to digitize and securitize them, it's going to, it's going to bring about liquidity across the board and, and change the very way in which we, uh, we're, we're currently the capital markets function. So immediately, I became a big believer in that. And after that paper, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to go off and 
I need to, I need to get involved in the space. This is my next thing. This is what I need to do. So I put my entrepreneurial hat back on and I was going to go off and launch a firm focusing on, uh, on, on, on building that component out. And that's where, um, I came across the bank X where they were, they, they were working on this thing called the proof of asset protocol. And I needed a strong backend partner to be able to execute on the technology capability. And I met with the founder and CEO. We had a great conversation. And, and he's like, look, you're, we have similar visions uh, and we're well-funded. Why don't you just come on board with us and, 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 and become a part of us? So I joined them originally as, their, as, a, as a global chief commercial officer. Uh, and then eventually I became the CEO of the Americas. And we started to just focus on, I just started immersing myself in understanding this, this this overall market and how the technology actually works and how it functions and the impact around this and, and starting to have implement practical use cases. But eventually what I started to realize was that even though the visions were similar, our path to execution was, uh, was, was quite different. And that's where we started to deviate. So um, I resigned from the organization in, uh, in January and then in February, we, uh, um, so a couple of, so I resigned from the organization and then, uh, the, the, I told the team and the team, uh, followed suit as well. And that was essentially, that was the genesis behind liquidity. So, um, uh, myself and our two other co-founders, uh, Jitin, our CTO and, uh, and really the brains behind this, behind this, behind this whole, uh, whole thing. And, uh, and, uh, and Marina, who, uh, Marina Shostak, who's, uh, who's, uh, our other co-founder and the one who puts everything together. Um, we co-founded Liquidity Digital. And, uh, now, as you had alluded to earlier, the focus of Liquidity Digital is to build really essentially what we're building is we're building an end-to-end ecosystem for the enablement of, uh, digital securities to, uh, transform the, uh, the capital markets, uh, from where they are in their current state. Very interesting and sort of very bold vision. Uh, you know, reading some of the um, some of your work and some of the information on the company. I mean, you're looking to uh, disrupt a what several hundred trillion dollar <laughs> business if you you know factor in the uh, you know um, the sum of all you know real estate securities and derivatives in, in that entire market. Um, so, based on a, a recent article that I, that I read in Nasdaq. Um, the mission specifically revolves around three key points, accessibility, transparency, and liquidity. Uh, can you address how Liquidity Digital will um, impact each of those three? <clears throat> Absolutely. Look, I mean, even, even with our name, right, uh, the, the name Liquidity, right, there's a reason why we chose that name. And, and everyone tends to talk about liquidity being one of the ultimate outcomes. However, liquidity is is the last part to happen. Before liquidity to actually occur, there's there's you need to bring you need to bring people into this. You need to and, and the way that you bring them into this is going to be through mass adoption. And the way that mass adoption is going to occur is only going to be through the through the entry of the, the large institutions, the traditional markets. So yes, we are certainly, we're looking to disrupt the industry, but the disruption of the industry is not going to be something that's, it's going to be a rip and replace. Rather, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an evolution. So this is something that I talk about all the time where, where most people within the space are talking about 
revolution, but uh, revolution is not something that, that, that happens overnight, even though it may seem like that over the course of, uh, you know, of, of time. However, in order to actually get to the revolution, it's uh, what I call evolution towards revolution. And in order for that evolution to happen, it's, uh, it's going to be through mass adoption. So for us, the focus around the mass adoption is, and this is sort of where the break occurred between, uh, between us and our previous organization, where I don't think in order for this, this market to gain traction, and, and by the way, you're talking to someone who's an evangelist of this space, of blockchain, of digital securities, and where the markets are changing. However, I'm also an evangelist who happens to be a pragmatist, and the pragmatic way to be able to, to, to have this technology evolve is going to be by through, through institutional adoption. So you can't put the cart before the horse, and I think that's been one of the problems that the industry has faced, which is that the, re- the, the focus has been too much on going after the retail sector initially. In my mind, the way that I see it is that the evolution is going to happen where the retail sector is going to be uh, – it's going to get to the retail sector towards the end, right? That's going to be the end state where everyone where, – where these things will ultimately end up getting democratized the institutional adoption take place first. And uh, that that's only going to happen when you are in a when you're in a regulatory compliant state. And for us, that's why we decided to go the route of focusing on digital securities, because whenever you talk about digital securities, the key word here is not the digital, but it's the securities, which means that from a regulatory perspective, there's there's uh, there's clear there's a uh, Clear ideas around uh, where, where, and how one should navigate through the through the waters, and, um, and and then it just so happens to be where it's done in a digital format, and the digital format brings about um, all kinds of of, of automation, uh, self execution, the ability to be able to do things within a regulatory compliant manner, and then you can disintermediate, and that's really where the efficiencies are going to come in, um, and then of course you know the inherent because it's being done on blockchain because it's uh, then 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 the the component of transparency is uh, is 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 built into it and once you have transparency the more transparency you can introduce then what that leads to is that leads to trust and if you have trust and then that trust has a regulatory uh, a regulatory guidance wrapped around it then you start to see adoption, and once that adoption starts to happen from the large institutions, that's ultimately what brings in liquidity. And once that starts bringing in liquidity into the markets, then the retail, then then the retail aspect of it starts to starts to come in in, in a uh, in sort of a safe ecosystem where they can now transact in as well. Regulatory compliance, you're speaking my language. <laughs> no, as, a, as a lawyer, it's great to hear that because, you know, we've obviously seen a whole, lot, a whole host of messes in this, in this industry already <laughs> where, you know, companies and, you know, the ICO have come in with a scam artist in the comment and just taking advantage of people and not meeting the regulatory needs that, you know, are required. Um, just stepping back real quick, I was curious, um, from the technical side of um, the company, are you building this on your own blockchain or will you be using a 
um, an existing blockchain, such as the Ethereum network or otherwise? And will you have your your own coin um, to to power this, or will it be primarily through the um, individual securities? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question. And as you're as you're as you were asking that question, I'm like, you should, you should see the grin on my face because if there's it, it just <laughs> for, for for us. It's so crucial to provide clarity around uh, around this this space and you know the difference between what it is that we're doing and how we're structuring and how we see the future evolving versus what people are generally accustomed to, which is what what they've been hearing all the time. So all you hear are the coins and the ICOs and the utility and all those components. We're actually we're 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 completely removed. I shouldn't say completely removed, um, but but. We're, that's not something that's not something that our focus is on. So we have no utility token whatsoever. We don't uh, we don't have any sort of a coin that we're issuing. Um, what we're doing is we're we're adhering to our currently. Um, you know what we're building out is it's everything is going to be in the form of a regulated security. So what we're doing is our focus, both for our firm as well as for our clients, is going to be to give them the ability to be able to raise capital um, through traditional forms. And when I say traditional forms, meaning accepted forms, uh, whether it's in the form of equity or whether it's in the form of debt, take those securities that are compliant, uh, that where the rules have already been defined, right? Everyone knows how equities works. Everyone knows how debt works and, and how to navigate around those based on the jurisdiction, and we're digitizing those. So that's where what were the, the the vernacular for something like this was uh, security tokens, um, and and essentially we're sort of we've moved away from even calling them security tokens because the moment you mention the word token, all of a sudden it leads to more confusion than clarification. So that's why we've shifted away from even using the the term security tokens, um, which you know was 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 something that the industry was moving towards. So there, there was a there was a divide between what's a utility token and what's a security token. Um, so we have to go into all that explanation and start explaining to people know the difference between these and that. Instead, why why even bring unnecessary confusion into an already confused environment? So what we're doing is we're, we, we that's where we, use, where we use the term digital securities. Everyone understands what securities are, and all we're doing is we're digitizing them by putting digitizing, securitizing them by putting them onto onto the blockchain. So and and, and then to your earlier point about from a technical perspective, our own platform. Are we building our own blockchain? You know, that's a really interesting question. That and and, and I'll answer that um, sort of in an indirect way because it's important for me to lay. Lay, lay out the, the groundwork a little bit in terms of why the timing for something like this and what it is that we're doing, why it's so crucial. So most people today, anyone that's in the, anyone that's in the space uh, refers to the time that we're going through right now as the crypto winter. And for, for us, you know, the question has been asked by numerous people when they come to us, they're like, well, Saeed, why would you decide to launch a company in the crypto winter? Right? Why is it that you're, you know, you're you're looking to do this at this time? Isn't this a bad time to do it? And uh, and my response to them is that actually this is the best time to do it because while most people are calling this the crypto winter, we call this the digital spring. And because now the foundations have been laid, right? You already have the the, the fundamentals of uh, the of the overall 
ecosystem being established, meaning the most difficult pieces for any innovation to take place are at the foundational layer, right? So at the protocol layer, those protocols have been developed. They're starting, they're getting better and better and better. Um, but the groundwork has already been laid. And, uh, so there's, there's already, there's no need for us to develop a blockchain. We're not, our focus is not to get involved on the, on the, uh, on the foundational layer. Um, you know, my philosophy always has been let the shoemaker make the shoes. So if someone is, is good at doing something, then, then leverage them. Um, so there, there's, there's numerous blockchains that already exist for us as a platform. So, so, so the first answer to your question is no, we're not, we, we are not building our own blockchain. There's no need for us to build our own blockchain. There's already, there's uh, others that exist in terms of which blockchain. Uh, are, are the ones that we're focusing on. We're actually, we're, we're protocol agnostic. We're blockchain agnostic. And, and it's also important for us to, to be that way because this is a nascent space which is still evolving. Um, so for us, we're building out our technology to be able to adopt uh, a variety of different uh, blockchain protocols and, uh, and, 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 but we're being pragmatic about it, right? So clearly you had mentioned Ethereum. Ethereum is, is, uh, you know, is a big piece of it. We're looking at uh, a few others as well that our, our key criteria are those is to go after those in which are, you know, which have where, where the network effects are, are large, um, as well as those that are, that, that, that build out with a with an enterprise ready mindset, uh, and, and, and that's how we're that's how we're building our platform on top of. And then and then one other step beyond that also is beyond the beyond even the uh, the blockchain and the protocol layer level, even at the application level. If uh, we're I'm a big believer in finding the right partnerships and then in finding those who do something a lot better than you do. And adapting those. So if there's issue, so within the space, there's issuance platforms, there's pre-issuance components that are there. Uh, it doesn't make sense for us to try to reinvent the wheel. Instead, we're just going to buy the wheel and we're just going to put it together because our focus is on building the car, not necessarily just the wheel. Right. Right. Very, very interesting. It's, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you see a whole lot of uh, blockchain networks pop up here and there, and <laughs> You know, like you had mentioned, it's it's all about leveraging the uh, you know the existing strength of a of a current network, a current current blockchain. So, you know, no no sense reinventing the wheel. So, in in terms of you know your specific product, your again you mentioned um, making an end to end platform, incorporating pretty much all the steps needed to issue a security. Um, Again, our listeners tend to skew towards lawyers and regulators, compliance officers, um, so they're interested in, in that aspect of it. Um, specifically, you'll be incorporating due diligence, uh, know your customer KYC controls, AML controls. Um, can you speak just at a high level of how you're going to incorporate that into your product? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, it, it's a question that often when uh, – when, when anyone, including our own advisors <laughs> and and, uh, and 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 uh, partners, when they hear, you know, it makes them cringe, and rightfully so, right? Because when we're when we're because when you talk about due diligence, when you talk about AML, when you talk about KYC, when you talk about AIV, when you talk about all of these things, 
it's you know for 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 an organization like like ours for us to be able to do that and incorporate that into a platform it's uh rightfully so that they would cringe because it's like well how many things are you guys actually going to do number one and then number two how do you know that what it is that you're doing if you know not being lawyers not coming from that space that you know that this is uh this is something in which you're going to be able to uh how, how do you validate all those uh, all those components right the way that we go around that is uh or or, or or our strategy rather around it is it's again it goes back to what i was saying earlier let the shoemaker make the shoes we know i think the important thing is uh, is not to not to understand your strengths, but to realize what your weaknesses are, and then surround yourself with folks who could complement on those. So this goes back to what we were, what I was alluding to earlier about uh, let the shoemaker make the shoes. So what we're doing is we're actually we're going to uh, inside within our platform, we're actually integrating the due diligence, the AML, the KYC, the IV, all of those things from organizations that that focus strictly on that, right? From 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 platforms that, that focus strictly on that and we're tying those APIs into our platform. So they're the ones that specialize in it. Um, we know that that you know that's all they do. Focus becomes key, right? And that's one of the that that's that's one of the reasons why why the you know why we came up with the concept for liquidity and building this end to end ecosystem because like you rightfully said earlier when, when, you know, when you were giving this, uh, the, the, the intro on us, it's, we've got a pretty lofty goal here. You know, when you're looking to build an end to end ecosystem and that's a mouthful, how do you do so? Right. Where, you know, in order to, how do you do so in, in a way where it's economically viable as well as you have the ability to be able to execute on it and not just execute it on it, uh, across, you know, across the breadth of the industry, but also the depth of those, because all of those components require, um, uh, spe- specializations, right? And specialized understanding of the industry. And then on top of that, building out that technology as well. So how do you do that? And, and our strategy is that let's leverage those that are already doing it. Because right now, again, just like any nascent industry that starts off, you start off where you have specific uh, specific companies, specific organizations, specific institutions that are uh, that are focused on on covering those areas. But the problem is that. From and from from an investor's perspective, from an issuer's perspective, or from the perspective of a client, just to make things simple, it's uh, it, it becomes quite cumbersome to navigate through all of this, right? Because what they would ide- because it, it's fragmented in its initial stages, which is really what where the state of uh, of of blockchain and all of these technologies are currently, where. It's it's a fragmented industry. So when you talk about KYC, when you talk about AML, when you talk about due diligence, when you and then when you even go start start going beyond that, when you start going because that's all on the pre-issuance side, and then when you start going onto the issuance side, right? When you talk about actually issuance of the securities, the uh, the audits, the custody, the distribution, all of those, it's they're all being done right now. But within the space, everything is being done in isolation of one another. So it's very excuse me, it's, it's very, very fragmented. And, uh, and why, what's needed, what, what we saw as something that's needed right now within the industry, again, in order to gain that mass adoption is to have 
something which is uh, which is seamless, where everything is integrated into a single platform. So for us with liquidity, that's exactly what we're building out, is we're building out this whole framework in which we're integrating everything into a single plat- platform. Let the shoemaker make the shoes, but if we see that they're making the best shoes, then we're going to sell those shoes in our shop. And that shop is, uh, that's, that's, that's essentially what the liquidity platform is. Right. And, and that, you know, that essentially leads me to my next question. So, you know, throughout the issuance and even the life of the securities, there's a, you know, a whole variety of legal steps that come along with it, tax compliance, voting rights, even, you know, dividends and, and all that. And one of the efficiencies um, from liquidity digital and even just blockchain in general is the use of smart contracts. So um, it sounds like most of this, most of that kind of work is essentially going to be automated. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, yeah, look, again, most, when we say most, right, it depends on which most we're, we're talking about, right, which aspect. The, the, the reality is that you can never remove the, uh, the, the human element out of it. However, what you can do is you can at least t- remove the, the mundane aspects of how you're leveraging those, those humans so that they can focus on the things that they need to. And that's where automation comes in, and ultimately that's what leads to efficiency. And then once you've got these guys that are now no longer focusing on, uh, on, on, on the, the mundane stuff. And then this forces them to think about innovation. And that's, that breaks, that paves the way for the, uh, for, for, for the next big thing to, to happen. So with, with, with these smart contracts, what we're, one of the thing, big things that we're doing is if you take a look at our, well, you can't look at it right now because we haven't announced it just yet. But our our advisory board primarily comprises of, uh, of of legal experts and folks. So it's it's really it's a combination of uh, of, of folks from two sides uh, two sides of the world, right? The the it's from the traditional capital markets, folks that understand this space, um, and as well as folks that come from the legal regulatory and compliance side to say, okay, look, here's, here's things that get done. And they're looking at this stuff with a magnifying glass, uh, you know, quite a bit to, to say, all right, here's how the, these things should get incorporated. Here's at every step of the way, like you mentioned, right. Um, you know, whether it's on the, whether it's on the tax, tax compliance side, whether it's on the dividend distributions across the board and all of these things, uh, you know, that's where it comes in. And then those smart contracts, what you're doing is you're automating those so that they become self-executable. Um, and, and, and that you don't have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry. You, you can start to move away from a world where now the job of the, uh, the uh, of the regulatory uh, on the regulatory side it, it has generally been more reactive where you wait for something to happen and then you react to it to being more proactive which is essentially you're just preventing it from happening and then you lock these into these smart contracts in which they're just not going to execute if it, if something if it doesn't meet all of those rules it's just not going to happen so so the the ability to to commit fraud or the ability to be able to run a scam it it, it depletes quite significantly right and you know and that's really one of the big things that this industry needs now at this point is you know cutting down on the frauds and the scams um it sounds like you you know you may have just leaked some upcoming news about an an, an announcement for the uh for your advisory board <laughs> so my next question was actually going to be um, you know, what is your timeline right now? You know, what's what's coming next, and you know, where do you see yourself 
Where do you see some major milestones down the road? Well, look, I mean, for us, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a wild, wild, uh, you know, crazy, crazy ride. I mean, we've only been around for, you know, we, we, we launched and we officially launched in February. And, uh, since then we've all just been operating on, on jet fuel and it's, 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 you know, the, every, pretty much every week we're hitting milestones that we, we thought that, you know, we were a couple of weeks out. So we keep changing these consistently. But one of the biggest ones that we, we just hit right now is that we got our, so, all right. So I'll, I'll sort of burst the bubble here without going into too many details, but we got our, um, pre-seed funding, um, from a, from, from a couple of, uh, a couple of, uh, uh, forward-thinking funds um, on the VC side, so we got we got that. So that's that's an that's going to be an announcement that's going to be coming up uh, shortly. Uh, so we we hit that milestone. Now now that we have that, the the big thing for us is the continued development of our of our platform. Uh, that's the big thing. And really, for there's from my perspective, there's three strategies that I'm focusing on in parallel. Uh, the first one is on the technology side. Our platform continues to uh, get built. It continues to improve. Um, on the second, which is on uh, which is on our <coughs> on, on the revenue side, it's uh, to ensure that we continue to bring in quality issuances. And again, the the word that I want to emphasize once again is quality issuances to bring onto our platform. We continue to do that because that's one of the things that the space needs is, is uh, you know, real, real quality issuances coming on so that people can understand what the impact of this, uh, this, this technology is going to be, right? You don't want to just, you don't, no one wants to leverage the technology just for the sake of technology. It's always about the value that that technology brings. Um, so if we can bring in uh, quality issuances and I'm very, very, uh, you know, humbled and grateful to say that, you know, we've got a couple very, very strong, issuances in in our pipeline that uh so those are going to be some announcements that are going to be forthcoming as well and then the third one is uh is is continuing to build out our partnerships and our distribution channels which means that we want to continue to focus on 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 uh, establishing these partnerships with both uh <coughs> excuse me from folks that come from uh from 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 the traditional side that understand the the regulatory aspect of it look this is a this is a very, very um, monumental uh, task that we've uh, we've put on ourselves, and in order to do that, we're we're very cognizant of the fact that we can't do this on our own. And uh, if we want to do it right, then uh, then the only way we're going to do that is by bringing on the right partners, and we do that through our partnership and distribution channels. So these are the three focuses for for us, and I think uh, over the course of the next few few weeks to uh to the uh, the upcoming months i think you'll start to see more and more news come out about uh about liquidity and some of the accomplishments that we've made uh across these three uh across these three parallel trajectories great thanks thanks for teasing some of the uh <laughs> some of the upcoming milestones you know we'll uh, be sure to keep an eye out for you know the upcoming news um, you had, you had mentioned that, you know, we've kind of touched on it a few times about the need for, um, just improvements in general within the cryptocurrency industry, uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain industry. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is like, and, and even, you know, you mentioned early on where when you first learned about Bitcoin, you 
had a very cynical mindset to it. And I think that's, uh, you know, a very common theme amongst, amongst everyone really when they first hear about it. Um, so just, you know, based on, you know, your knowledge of the industry now, what do you see as some of the biggest hurdles of this crypto mass adoption? You know, and how do you think your company is going to help contribute to, um, you know, pushing that mass adoption forward? Well, I think, look, I, I think it's like just, I think the biggest problem, I know everyone talks about the technology, but I, I don't think the problem is, is, is on that side. It's, it's the problem is on the human side and what, what, what you can't do is humans will never stop being humans. And, uh, and a lot of these things are, you know, it, it, you have to understand psychology in order to understand, uh, what the, the why behind the what's that's happening right now. And it's, it's what it boils down to is it just boils down to the fact that in general, uh, I know this is going to sound harsh, but, uh, but the reality is that in general, us human beings, we're just lazy. We're just very, very lazy. We don't want to put in the work. We, uh, you know, we, it's, uh, it's, it's too much. And, you know, rather than me pick something up and, uh, and, and learn on my own, um, it's just easier to listen to someone that's saying something and take them on their word on it. And, and then I take them on their word on it. And, uh, I haven't done my due diligence. I haven't done my research. I don't know much about it, but I jumped into it. Why? Because, uh, you know, Bob or Joe down the street said to do it. And now when I do it and it comes back and, uh, and, and bites me in the behind, then instead of blaming myself for not doing the due diligence, for not, not doing my homework, um, I'm going to go back and say, Hey, listen, it's Bob and Joe that were the ones that told me to do it. Uh, so I did it. So let me go after them or worse yet. It's the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the technology. That's, that's the real problem. That's the fraud, right? Um, you know, we have to, I, I think what it boils down to always is the same thing that I had, right? If I came in as a cynic, I came in as a skeptic of this thing was the first thing that I did. Um, you know, there were opinions across the board and I, I, I listened to every opinion, right? You should listen to everyone's opinion. Um, but you have to do your own due diligence. You have to put the onus on yourself, educate yourself. And I think ultimately, I think that's one of the biggest problems that exists in the industry right now, right? If I had to boil it down to, uh, if I had to boil it down to, to one root cause, I would say it's lack of education, lack of education on the part of individuals, lack of education on the part of, uh, of, of institutions. Um, I mean, look, it's funny, right? You, when you, when you take a look and, and what, what that does is it, that lack of education, then if you don't know, if you don't know much about anything, then anyone who says something, you'll just believe it. And you don't even know whether it's the truth or whether it's, it's, it's complete, a complete fabrication because you can't tell the difference either way. And if that's the case, then why even listen? Um, and, and that leads to, that leads to two things that's going to lead to outright scammers coming out there who just because they're well-dressed and they can talk a good game, um, you're going to, you're going to believe them and you're going to get taken. And then it's going to, on, on, on the flip side, uh, it's going to also pave the way for those who are just, who, who, who've been burned by something like this. And now they're coming back and just completely just, uh, you know, just, just trashing the industry overall, trashing the, the, the overall technology. And then that leads to two sides of the spectrum, right? Where you have people on one side that are just, you know, just, just follow it through sheer blind faith. And then there's other ones that no matter what you, no matter how many facts you put out in front of them, you can't change their mind because they're, they've been scorned. So, um, you know, right. it's, it's, 
the, 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 the solution to that boils down to education. And listen, we're in, uh, we're in 2019 right now, and we're not even talking about Internet 1.0 or Internet 2.0. There's talks about Internet 3.0. So there has never, ever, ever been a time where anyone can use ignorance as an excuse because you have information all around you. Right. And I think that education point is, is, is a very big one. Uh, you know, anytime anyone's introduced to the, to this industry, uh, it tends to get, it, it tends to be met with a very healthy dose, dose of skepticism, um, which is fair. You know, that that's natural. Um, I've yet to meet a person though, who has done their research and really looked into blockchain and cryptocurrency and say, no, this isn't for me. I'm not into it. <laughs> like the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you begin to realize like, Hey, this is legit. Um, you know, there's something here and I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, so one of the big issues right now in the industry in general is, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make down- one point. Yeah, sorry, Matt. So I just want to make one one point on that, um, just to highlight what you were you know, what you were what you were saying, which is uh, you, know, you talk about you've yet to meet someone who's uh, who's who's came into this thing um, as a skeptic, done their research, and then come out not being a believer. And uh, a great a great example of that is uh, is. Uh, the, one of the most vocal critics of this of, uh, was uh, J, uh, the, the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, yeah. <laughs> who was just uh, who was just testifying in uh, in Congress, and, uh, and you know in that in, in one of the questions that came up was, listen, you used to be uh, you know you were the one that that used to be this vocal critic of this thing. And, uh, and he was the one that even threatened to fire anyone who, uh, at, at the firm who was caught trading um, Bitcoin or any sort of cryptocurrency. Yet, his firm is one of the first ones to actually introduce their own cryptocurrency, uh, which is the uh, JPMC coin. And I want to highlight one point, which is, uh, you know, which goes to tell, which goes to show you, you know, the lack of education on the part of people where when with, with Jamie Dimon, when even in his testimony when when he was uh when, when he was speaking when they asked him well you know what was it and he said well i you know i i, I said that i believed in blockchain but not necessarily bitcoin because here's the reasons why i didn't believe in uh in in, in it versus with jpmc coin because with jpmc uh, with jpmc coin you have the ability to be able to fractionalize and you have the ability to be able to, uh, you have the ability, it's, you know, it's, it's something that is actually backed by something. Whereas, um, you know, where, whereas with Bitcoin, there's nothing that's being backed by it. And, and, and all of the points that he was making, there's, those are simply not true when it comes to even regular currency. So when, with, with like regular currency, if the argument was that, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have any value because it's not being backed by anything. It's not being backed by any sort of an asset. Well, that's the same case with, with fiat currency as well. Um, you know, we moved off of the gold standard quite a, quite a while ago, right, before I was even born. So this whole notion that, you know, that the people have uh, of, of, you know, it being backed by something, what is it backed by? It's, actually, it's essentially it's backed by trust, right? We are trusting in the in, in the, the full backing of the U.S. government to be able to say, yes, this is something that's, that, that's, that's solid. Well, once, that's, once that trust had diminished, 
uh, in the during the the financial crisis. That it's no coincidence that it was during that time that this thing called Bitcoin was born. When people said, you know what, we're going to shift our trust from trusting in institutions to algorithms. And uh, and the second point where he was talking about uh, the on 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 the notion of you know being able to be fractionalized and this is nonsense i mean every cryptocurrency that's one of the that's one of the beauties of digital currencies any sort of a digital currency right uh whether it's bitcoin or whether it's ether or or or, or eos neo it doesn't matter um all of them have the ability to be able to, to to fractionalize but again people hear these kinds of things and because they don't understand nuance they're like ah that actually makes sense and uh, it just goes back to uh to, to lack of education but again you know when if you can see that the one of the most vocal critics and one of the the, the the biggest guys on Wall Street is coming out and in his own way saying yes this is something that makes sense that means there's there's a lot more to it than people would you know that people had initially thought right you know it's, it's funny though I do think his initial criticisms actually helped drive some popularity towards <laughs> even Bitcoin specifically just because. Like you said, um, you know, there was a lack of faith in big banks and, um, you know, him speaking out about it almost gave it more street cred, essentially. <laughs> well, we should actually thank him. Yeah, I agree. We should, we should thank right. him. And the other thing also is, look, criticism, skepticism, right? This is, this is what we need, right? What we need is right. what you don't want to be is you do not want to be in a room where everyone is nodding their head yes. Right, because if that's what they're doing, then you need to get out of that room as quickly as possible, because you know something is gonna something is gonna go wrong very very soon. You want to be around people that are constantly, uh, you know, being being skeptical and being are, are criticizing, because that's only going to help you improve. And that's that's been the story of innovation. Innovation comes when when people are questioning and people are saying, well, why this? Is there a better way to do that? Well, why not this? Right. That's why there's a very very you know, there. there that's one of the biggest reasons why our board of advisors, we barely have anyone who is uh, who comes from either the, the blockchain world or from the crypto world because we don't need to sell them on it. They understand the value. That's not really where the value is that's going to be had. The real value that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get is people that are constantly poking holes into our platform, into what we're doing, questioning our business model. That's what's going to continue to get us to improve. And I think that if the industry starts to pick up this sort of a mindset, that's when really you'll start to see this, this, the evolution of this industry start to grow by orders of magnitude. I agree. I, I agree 100% with that. You know, that's, a very, that's a very good point. Um, you know, you know, with regards to the growing industry, as the industry grows, you know, government begins to take notice and, you know, for better or for worse, regulations are coming to cryptocurrency. Um, you know, as you've mentioned throughout this, you've embraced, you said, you know, you seem to have embraced that, especially the, uh, you know, uh, current regulations around securities and the like. But in terms of cryptocurrency in general, um, do you have, do you have any ideas and, so if you had a chance to talk to a regulator about, um, you know, what you would like to see in terms of cryptocurrency regulation, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of suggestions would you give them? What kind of, what kind of, um, advice, advice would you give them? I would say, uh, look, I mean, here, here, I think and this is going to, believe me, this is going to come, uh, come out 
strange, right? Um, <laughs> coming from someone from the industry, but I honestly mm-hmm. think that regulators, in this instance, the regulators are um, are trying to give this thing an honest look and are are trying to say, hey, you know, educate us. How can we learn more? The problem, really, from what what I'm seeing is that from the industry side, we're the ones that are not being proactive and reaching out to them and saying, hey. Look, understand these use cases, right? I think use cases are some of the things because you can't just build. The problem is you can't build regulation or, or based theory. Regulation should be built around practical use cases. So the more and more exposure that the regulators get towards the practical use cases, that's where you know that's when they're going to be able to see have that aha moment and say, ah, this is how it's being implemented. Okay, no, I get it. I get it now, right? Um, and I think even on the part of the of the regulators, there's a lot of uh, of, of um, a lack of understanding. Rather, um, there's there's miseducation uh, that exists. Right, everyone they, there's, for example, not mo- I'm, and, I, and I'm saying this because I have conversations with with uh, with, with with these people, and uh, and there's like a lot of folks don't even understand the difference between public versus permission, right? It's a, for, for, for them, it's, it's, Oh, well, it's just putting it out there. And if we just put it out there, then everyone has access to it. What happens if I lose, you know, most people can't even hold on to their, uh, to their AirPods. How are they going to, you know, hold on to their, their password, uh, or, or their, uh, not, not their password, but their, their private, their, their private key. What happens if you were to lose that, right? Then it's gone. It's, <clears throat> but most people don't even understand the whole notion around, well, no, that, that is something that can be controlled, and here's how you control it, right? It's not always about decentralization. Um, you know, you, there, there's, there's a healthy balance that can be struck. So the way that we do that, I think, is for the industry, for folks like us, I think we need to be more proactive in engaging with the regulators and, uh, and, and getting them more, more and more involved in taking a look at what it is that we're doing. Of course, the fear on our side Right, the fear on our side from the industry side is that the moment you open anything up to a regulator, then all of a sudden now you're under regulatory scrutiny. So you have to be very, very careful about uh, about what it is that you say. And, and quite honestly, I mean, I think that's one of the fears that we as an organization have too. We want to reach out to the regulators. We want to talk to them. Um, and I know that they're saying that look, we do, but they have to be able to come in where 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 they say look, um, we're, when if you're talking to us, don't worry, this is not being recorded, right? It's, don't worry, you know, we're 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 looking at this uh, yeah, from 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 the perspective of of really wanting to learn rather than uh, you know uh, all of a sudden start finding you if there is something that uh, that you were doing wrong, and uh, I guess look how you get around that is just by having more and more dialogue. And uh, it, there, I, I, from from my part, I do think that, uh, and ourselves included, I do think that we need to take some element of, uh, of of risk and get that fear of speaking with the regulators out of our mindset and uh, and, and, and engage with them uh, a, a bit more. And I think the way to do that, uh, at least from from our side, the way that we're doing it is we're doing it through our uh, through our our legal advisors, right? They're the folks that are already involved in this, in this stuff and understand it so that they can sort of help guide us and, 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 and tell us, hey, this is what you should say. This is what you're trying to say <laughs> versus just right. pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it comes down to education again. And, you know, that's really the key component to this. And from what I've seen so far, it, it does seem that 
the government and regulators, they are taking a reasoned approach to it. You know, obviously they have an interest in protecting the public, protecting the consumers. You know, they want to pre- they want to prevent another BitConnect or you know anything like that. Um, but I think they do also recognize the innovation at play here, and I, I do think they see the potential here. So they're trying not to you know cut the head off the snake, but it's a uh, it's a balance and it's tricky. And I think you're right. I think education. Uh, would really go the longest way towards making sure everything comes out okay at the end. Um, They're not. And here's the other thing, too. I, th- I think the other thing also is that what we also need to realize, and again, uh, look, regulation, regulation is going to be the path forward, but I think what we also need to do is that we need to understand that, and you're a lawyer, you understand this, right? Um, we say this, and, and <laughs> I don't mean to offend, but we, we have a running joke, which is, you know, in, in our organization, which is, you know, hey, guys, you know, if we want to slow down our pace, let's get a lawyer in the room. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you're right. Multiply, and, you know, multiply that right. with, <laughs> multiply that, you know, by, by many folds if, uh, if you start to get, you know, regulators that are actually and, and 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 then even more importantly legislators right involved in this but again it's yes regulation is crucial right we need to institute the right legislation as well but we also have to keep in mind we also have to keep in mind and i can't emphasize this enough that we can't as as the, my advice to the to the regulators and the legislators is going to be do Take this thing very, very seriously in terms of innovation, right? Because you cannot and you will not be able to stop innovation. Um, people will find their way around it, and especially now as we are living in an increasingly global world where innovation is going to find its way. If it's not going to be, if it's not going to be on our soil, it's going to be on someone else's. And New York, you know, New York experienced that, right? With the, uh, with the, with the, with uh, bit license with their bit license legislation, where you started to see people flowing out, you started to see the talent flowing out of New York into 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 other places, um, and uh, you're seeing the same things in terms of uh, within the blockchain space as well, where those that can innovate, they will innovate, and uh, uh, you know, as as a as an American, my thing is I want us to be the leaders in innovation. And we used to be those guys where we were leading the forefront. What we don't want to do is we don't want to have uh, regulation and legislation become an impediment towards innovation because otherwise we will, we will lose our ability to be leaders in the industry. And, uh, you know, what I always say is, is look, the web 1.0, when that came in, what that did was it disrupted these massive companies that thought that they were untouchable by these by, by these companies that were started in garages, right? They came in, they completely decimated them to the point where those companies started stopped existing. Then Web 2.0 came in and you graduated from company disruption to industry disruption, where all of a sudden you came in and all these well-established industries in general, they ceased to exist because they thought that it couldn't happen to them. But then these guys came in, and through the lev- through through leveraging the right set of technologies, they 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 were able to make that impact. Web 3.0. If we do not if we do not embrace Web 3.0, then Web 3.0 has the implication to not only disrupt companies and industries, 
but uh, governments and institutions across the board as well. And that's that's something that I would say the regulators and the legislators need to take very, very seriously. Right. I, I agree 100%. Saeed, thank you very much. I know we're running a little short on time. Um, any final thoughts before we, before we wrap this up? Yeah, listen, look, I, I know this has been a mouthful, right? It's, it's, it's been a lot. And, uh, you know, on, uh, like I said, our collectively, all of us, right? It's the, what, what we just did in this podcast, we need to continue doing that. Um, I think the, the future is, is, is certainly it's digital. Um, blockchain brings the ability to incentivize, to institute trust and to be able to, to democratize. However, it's, uh, it's, it's a long-term process, right? And it's a, it's, it's a journey. And all of us need to come together on this journey and anything that we can do to, uh, to, to help educate folks and to have them embrace this technology. We're here. Feel free to reach out to, you know, check us out on uh, liquidity.digital. Uh, hit me up on, 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 um, on Twitter. Find me on Twitter. And if you guys have any questions, reach out to me. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Serial Tech, S-E-R-I-E-L-T-E-C-H-X. I'm sorry, it's at Serial Tech X, um, S-E-R-I-A-L-T-E-C-H-X. Uh, hit us up, reach out to us, and uh, anything that we can do, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's change the world for the better. Saeed Hussein, CEO of Liquidity Digital. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. I wish you all the best going forward. Thank you, Matt. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At Ethical Companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.bolkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our companion podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.